Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Good morning. So good to be with each of you. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I want to welcome you and welcome those that are watching online as well. Uh, just as a, a way of reminding you, uh, next week we're going to get back into the book of 1 Corinthians and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you'd like to read ahead, please do so. And uh, Lord willing, we will be done with that book this year. All right. So we started last year. Uh, we're working our way verse by verse all the way through. Uh, it, it's been a challenge to be able to do that kind of thing. And you can pray for me as I'm, I'm working my way through chapters 12, 13, and 14, which are very interesting. You should check those out. Uh, so this this series that we're doing is we're, we're leading off and we're talking about an, initi- an initiative that we're doing over this year. We're, we're saying we want to serve in our communities 8,760 hours. That's the equivalent of one hour for all of next year. And, and as we started out, Pastor Andy came up and he talked about Matthew chapter 25 and we looked at the talents. And, and then the next week I followed up in Matthew chapter 25 and uh, I said, it's about time to care. And in Matthew chapter 25, we looked at this uh, moment of judgment where we have the sheep and the goats and God divides those who believe and trust in him and those who do not. And one of the things that we notice between the sheep and the goats as we're going to be judged is the difference between what they did and didn't do. And now we noted that we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by the things that we do. But we said Christianity is two sides of the same coin. On one side of the coin, we have saving faith. That's us placing our faith in Jesus Christ as our savior. Not just simply, not just simply believing the facts of Jesus or the story of Jesus or wishing to be saved or liking heaven more than hell, but truly having a relationship with Jesus where we've repented of our sin. He is our savior. He's our Lord. He's living in us. His spirit in us is in us and we are obedient to his word. So that's one side, saving faith. Then the other side of the coin, that's, that's faithful works. That's fruitful service to God. It's the overflow of what it truly means to be a Christian. When we have God in our lives, when we have the spirit in our life, it's naturally going to come out in the way that we love, in the way that we care for others. And so we said, it's about time to care. And then last week, we opened up to Matthew chapter 14. And in Matthew chapter 14, the idea was, it's about time to be interrupted. We noted there that Jesus had just learned in Matthew 14 of John the Baptist who had been beheaded. And so Jesus was looking for a place to spend some time alone with God. So he goes across the lake. Remember, he's going to a desolate place. And he wants to to spend some time praying. He's probably grieving the death of John the Baptist. And when he gets to that shore, there's this huge crowd. And the crowd is expecting Jesus to minister to them. And instead of brushing them off, Jesus took the time and he ministered to them. He took the time to be interrupted. Now today, just like last last time we went through Matthew 25 and two messages, this time we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 14. So in Matthew chapter 14, the idea today is it's about time to go the second mile. It's about time to go the second mile. 
Now, Jesus said something in the Sermon on the Mount. And you've probably heard that phrase before, like somebody saying, well, they really went the second mile. Well, that comes from Jesus. And it's something that he said in his sermon. And I believe that when Jesus made this statement, there was probably a lot of people that were not real happy with what he said. This is what he says in Matthew 5, 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, you got to remember, at this time, the the Israelites, uh, that whole region of Palestine was conquered and being occupied by Rome. So Roman soldiers had come in, and they're telling the the Jewish people what they have to do. And obviously, they wouldn't like that. We wouldn't like that uh, if somebody invaded our country. Like, if, if candidates came down, they invaded America, like, they got a backbone, and they, they come in here. That was mean. Uh, and And they're like... We're going to, like, je m'appelle Roi Trudeau. Thank you. Uh, we'd be like, I don't think so, Skippy. We still have Amendment Dole, right? Dole is two, Second Amendment. All right. And Roi is king. Like, I'm King Trudeau. No, you're not. So we wouldn't like it. They didn't like it. And they had a rule. They said, hey, if one of our soldiers comes up to you and they want you to do something, you've got to do it. Like if they want you to carry something, you must carry it. Remember Simon of Cyrene. Jesus is going up to Calvary. He's carrying his cross. The soldier says, Simon, you're going to carry this cross. He had to. He had to comply. And they had made a rule in Rome that you'd only have to carry something. You were required by law to carry it no further than a mile. And I read one author who said that the young Jewish men, they would mark out one mile from their home so they would know exactly where to drop that pack or whatever they had asked them to carry it. So they don't like this kind of thing to be occupied. So you got to imagine, we're going to be in Matthew 5 and 14 quite a bit today. In Matthew 5, Jesus is there on the Sermon on the Mount, and he's just kind of kind of rolling with it, and everybody's kind of nodding their heads like, this, I like this preacher, this is good. He's saying, blessed are the pure in heart, and they're like, that's right, I am pure in heart. Keep going. Uh, he's like, uh, you are the salt of the earth. Ooh, I like salt. Yes, I'm the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Mm-hmm, preach it. The preacher Jesus, you're a city on a hill. That's right. And then he says something that probably they cannot believe. He says, look, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. What did he say? <laughs> because he can't mean that literally. Like he, he can't expect me to go the second mile when the law says I just need to go one mile. Why would I do something like that? And so I think the principle that Jesus is making here is this. Christians should be willing to do more than expected. To go the second mile. Followers of Jesus Christ. We should be more generous. We should be more thoughtful. We should be harder working than anybody else. To do more than anticipated. Even to those who are in authority over us, and we might not like how they're treating us, but that we would love them in a unique way, differently than the rest of the world. That we just don't go one mile, hey, we're going to go the second mile. And I think if we were to put this principle into practice as Christians, man, it would bring revival. Because everybody's watching Christians and their behavior, and they'd be like, well, there's something different about you. I might not agree with your theology and where you're coming from, but boy, those people, they sure go the second mile. They have something going on in their life that is antithetical to the rest of the world. 
So let, let's go back. Let's think about Matthew 14. All right. I want you to see that Jesus practiced what he preached. In, in Matthew 14, he learns John the Baptist has just been beheaded. He's probably grieved, gets in the boat, travels across the lake, gets to the other side, which is desolate. There's all the people. Everybody's expecting Jesus to do something for them. And Jesus probably, you know, he was grieved. And the natural response, like if, if that was us and we're grieving and we're hurting, then we would resent the intrusion. But Jesus, what did it say? He, he had compassion on them. And what did he do? What was this first mile? And he healed people. One after another. He didn't make it about him. He began to look out and he started taking care of others. That was the first mile. I want you now to see the second mile. Matthew 14, verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only... Five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So nearly 10,000 people are being fed miraculously from these five loaves and these two fish. And there's a lot that we can learn from this passage, from this event that happened in Jesus' life. We could preach whole sermons on it. Like we could talk about this proves Jesus' deity. That the fact that he is doing this miracle. You don't, you don't see anybody else cranking out 10,000 fish sandwiches like out, out of nothing, but yet he has the ability to perform miracles. This is a sign of his deity. Or perhaps we could begin to talk about how God provides, how he takes care of our needs. We could look at this passage and we could say, you know, God takes the smallest gift that we offer and he multiplies it and he uses it for his glory. But the thing that I want us to note today about this passage is this. Jesus went the second mile. Again, when he showed up. And he's grieved from John the Baptist. He could have said, I don't, I really don't have time for this. Uh, go, go away. Come back another time and, and I'll take care of you then. And, and I think, you know, that he would be justified. The other thing is when he goes the first mile and he's doing all of the healing, once, once he gets done doing all of the healing, he would have been justified and everybody probably would have been fine when he, if he just sent him home. They've spent hours now being healed. Hearing Jesus teach, having him talk and minister to them individually. I'm sure they'd go away having a good day. Like, did you see the miracle that he had provided? I'm healed. I'm different because of Jesus. And that would be justified. But Jesus did a lot more than expected. When, when it's time to eat, he takes this bread, he takes this fish, he blessed it, uh, he multiplied it, and he fed over 5,000 people with it. He went the second mile. And this isn't the only time that Jesus went the second mile. I mean, we could turn to page after page in, in scripture and see Jesus over and over and over again going the second mile. There's an account. It's in Matthew chapter 8. It's about a leper. And this leper comes up to Jesus and, and, and falls on his knees. And he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, 
leprosy, leprosy was something that nobody wanted to have. This was a terrible disease. And a leper was somebody that was considered unclean. It was considered very contagious. And so no one would get near a leper. In fact, if you had leprosy then, if you were walking out in public, you would have to shout out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So people would scatter so they wouldn't be near you. And the other thing with leprosy is it's a condition in which the nerve endings lose all their nerve. You you don't feel anything. This is how leprosy ends up just looking terrible on, on the skin because people don't know when they have a wound to treat the wound. Uh, they don't know when they've touched something hot and it, it burns them. They, they end up losing parts of their body they just cannot feel. And so here is a man who has leprosy and no one's come near him. He can't feel anything. It, it's been years since his wife kissed his lips. I mean, even if she would get close to him, he, he wouldn't feel it. He, he, he didn't feel his kids hugging him any longer. He didn't feel a friend putting their arm around his shoulder. There was no one who would shake his hand. No one wants to be near him. And Jesus could have stood at a distance if he wanted to and just shouted out, I'm willing, be clean. And it would have happened. But instead, Matthew 8, verse 3, and Jesus stretched out his hand And touched him. I will. Be clean. And immediately. His leprosy was cleansed. This is the first human contact. He has felt in a long time. And the moment at which. That leprosy was cleansed. Is the moment at which. Those nerve endings. Finally felt again. And let me just say parenthetically, you may be here and you might say, you know what? That's kind of a picture of my life. I feel like I'm numb to the spiritual things of God. And there may be some reasons why you feel numb to God, like you don't sense him and there's not this closeness with you and he. In fact, the Bible says you're not just numb. When we come to this world, we're dead. We're dead in our sins and our transgressions and we're separated from God. And if you've never come to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to be your Lord and your Savior to repent of your sins, to receive him and to follow him, you will have a spiritual numbness in your life. Or perhaps there's some of you and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. At some point in your life, you're not just believing the facts of Jesus, but you did in fact receive Jesus Christ. And you would say, yeah, but right now in my life, I just feel like I'm, I'm numb. I don't sense him. And that may be because of disobedience in your life. You, you may have a lack of spiritual sensitivity if you have been filling up your life with you rather than the spirit of God. This begins to happen when we live out of our own strength and and we read the words of God, but we're not obedient to the words of God. You, You have a relationship with Jesus, but it is a distant relationship because you're moving in a different direction and you don't have the sensitivity of the spirit and the sweet fellowship that you get to enjoy when your heart is clean and pure before the Lord. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus Christ is willing to go the second mile and touch you. To cleanse you. 
If you've never made him your Lord, if you would respond in the same way that this man with leprosy respond, that that leprosy is a symbol of of sin and being unclean. And what did that man do? If you look at verse 2, he came and he knelt before Jesus and looked up into his eyes and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he can do the same thing for you right there in your sin, the dysfunction, the pain, the blackness, the darkness, the separation. You bend your knee before the Savior of the world, you say, cleanse me, wash me. I know you can make me clean. And friend, he's willing to touch you and to forgive you. Jesus is often going the second mile. There's a moment where Jesus is walking through this land of Samaria. That's the first mile. Because Jews didn't typically walk through Samaria. Like his other kind of prejudiced countrymen, they, they didn't want anything to do with Samaritans. They, they were prejudiced. They were biased against these Samaritans, which is interesting because there's plenty of people who are anti-Semitic and biased against Jewish people, which is just a reminder that, that this bias, prejudice, it doesn't flow in one direction. It hits every tribe and every heart, and it's always wrong. And so Jesus moved, uh, begins to walk through Samaria in the first mile. He goes the second mile when he sits down at the well and speaks and ministers to a Samaritan woman. Over and over, Jesus is going the second mile. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is walking along and he, he sees this tax collector up in a tree who has scampered up in the tree in order to get a sight of Jesus. So the first mile is when Jesus stops under that tree uh, and says to Zacchaeus, whom everybody hated, because Zacchaeus, the dude in the tree, he's a tax collector. And tax collector, nobody wants to be near tax collectors. The only people tax collectors are with are other tax collectors and other sinners. And yet Jesus stops, acknowledges Zacchaeus. That's the first mile. Second mile, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for lunch. So Jesus goes the second mile. He has lunch with Zacchaeus and the people there. And the result of that, Zacchaeus was saved. He gave his life to Jesus. And the response of that was not just salvation for his home. He gave away half of his wealth. Over and over, Jesus going the second mile, not just the first mile, the second mile. He did it with his own disciples. Think about how he often is extending grace to Judas who would betray him. How he lovingly reinstated Peter. After he denied him, how he just patiently provided proof to Thomas, who doubted him over and over. Jesus going the second mile, showing that he cares. And the Bible tells us that Christ has left us an example so that you and I might walk in his steps. I mean, imagine what that would be like if we would allow the living God, Jesus Christ, his spirit on the inside of us to live through us. Imagine the difference that it makes all around us if we practice this principle of going the second mile, of doing more than expected, especially with a world around us that's just trying to get by with the minimum, just like the bare minimum. What if we go above and beyond, not in our own strength, not for our own glory, but in the strength of the living spirit of God on the inside of us, we go the second mile. We're doing more than expected. Back to the Sermon on the Mount, verse 16 says this in Matthew 5. Jesus says, in the same way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What does that mean? It means stand out. It means go ahead and do more. Do more at work. 
Do more than what's on the job description. Do, do more. Go above and beyond. What does it mean? It means when we go out into the community as representatives of Jesus Christ, we are generous and we are kind and we are compassionate. Look at this, Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. This is the school teacher who's praying, God, please, please use me in some way to touch the lives of these students. And that teacher sees a need. There's a student who could use some some extra help, some extra tutoring. And so you go ahead and, and you stay after school to help them. This, this is the cashier who, who's just checking people out, ding, 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 all day long, right? And then somebody comes up in front of you, uh, and they're alone. They have no one that they interact with. This is their only interaction in a week, and they're telling you all about their heartaches in their week, and you patiently, lovingly listen above and beyond. Going the second mile in your house, it, it means being quick to forgive, quick to forgive your spouse. It means you're looking for ways to serve. How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my husband? I'm looking for ways to serve my children. Children, you're looking for ways to serve your parents. You're going above and beyond. It's beyond what just simply the world does and the low level of living that it has. And you're allowing the living Christ to live through you. And you're going above and beyond. The second mile, it means that you're going to show compassion. You're going to show compassion and kindness to people who may not even be able to pay you back. And so often what we have are people who will serve as long as there will be something in it for them. Like even if it's just simply a word of thanks. So sometimes we just need to serve and realize I might not get a thanks. I might not get anything back. And yet I'm called to serve, to go above and beyond. That's why sometimes it's good to serve anonymously. Like, cause you're checking your heart. Like, am I in this for me and being seen? Or is this really for the glory of God? It's also good that, that you and I would serve and go above and beyond and we would serve those who don't even like us. People who would want to persecute us as Christians. This is how strong the words of Jesus are in this Sermon on the Mount. But this is exactly how Jesus lived. And it's how Jesus wants to live through you. What if we would bless our enemies? Back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love, if you love those who love you, What reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, let's stop there because when when I read that, I thought maybe someone might ask, "Is is that possible? So let me ask you, anybody in here perfect? Am I perfect? No. None of us in this room... Are perfect, but we are called to be holy as God is holy. We are called to be perfect. It's a target to aim for. It is the direction that we go. 
Just because we simply can't always attain perfection on this side of life doesn't mean that we throw in the towel and say, oh, well, I'll go ahead and just keep doing whatever I want. I'll go ahead and sin. Boys will be boys. It's not a big deal. We're all human. And then walk away from sanctification. Walk away from God renewing us and making us more and more holy and righteous as he is. So that is the target. That is the goal. To be perfect as he is perfect. But the idea is that you and I, filled with the Spirit of God, get to live the adventure of going out and serving in his name. That's why we're doing 8,760 hours of service this year. That we would be intentional. Every, every moment that we get, every day, God, use me. I want your glory to shine through my life. God, would you bring people across my path that I can encourage that I can love on, that I can tell the truth, that I can point to Jesus Christ. God, would you do that? Every time you go to school, every time you go to work, every time you go out in community, friend, you have a brand new opportunity of speaking love and kindness and encouragement to all the people who are around us who are longing for that kind of thing and ready for someone who loves with the heart of Jesus to pour his love into them. That you and I would go the second mile. Look at this in Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. That, that means speaking to believers, people who are outside the faith. They're not part of the body of Christ. They're just living in the world. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. As you and I have been spending time in 21 days of prayer and fasting. As we continue to take God time. Setting apart time where we're reading God's word. And we're praying to him. And we're asking him to continually refine our lives. He's going to give us opportunity with time. The breath in our lungs. The beat in our heart. That we would use it in such a way in wisdom. To glorify God to the world around us. I love this passage in in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Uh, It says there, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Let each one look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Why? Because our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's allowing the Spirit of God to fill us with his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit to be used in such a way that brings God glory in all that we do. Your job isn't just your job. It's a mission field. Your school isn't just school. It's a mission field. This world all around us that is walking in darkness and needing the love of God, man, that's for you and me to step into That we would allow God to take a hold of our lives and we wouldn't just simply walk in selfishness looking at our own self-interest. We'd look at others and actually think they're better than us. That's the second mile. Going the second mile means you're just, you're sensitive to the leading of God. And you're going to do what he calls you to do. And sometimes it's going to be awkward. Sometimes when you hear God ask you to do something, it just, well, that's going to take me out of my comfort zone. Like if you were to leave here and you're going to go to a restaurant and you've just been so saturated in the presence of God through his word and praying 
And listening to his voice, he says, hey, I want you to get out of your booth in this restaurant, and I want you to go talk to this person. Man, that moves us out of our comfort zone. But I just want you to realize that on the other side of that, God's glorified. And if God is truly calling you into these relationships, into these communications where you're going the second mile with someone, he's already ordained that conversation for him to be glorified through your life. But what an adventure to be so sensitive to the spirit of God, no matter how big or how small. And we just want God to use us. God, I want you to live your life through me. This is what Jesus did. Jesus went the second mile. He, Jesus loves us. I mean, the first mile, the first mile is when he left heaven to come to earth. That's hard. From what I read, heaven's pretty awesome. And it's a perfect place. And the earth is, it's okay, it's not great. It's not heaven yet. But Jesus left heaven. And he left heaven so that he could come closer to his creation. So that we could see the Father. He says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when you hear my words... These are the words of God. So that was pretty hard. But the second mile, that was painful. The second mile took his feet up the road of Calvary. Where he laid down his life on a cross in place of your life. And when he bled and died on that cross, he was bleeding and dying for my sin. He bled and died for your sin. He didn't have to do that. But in that moment, the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That means that when Jesus was on the cross, God took my sin, he took your sin, and he imputed it, meaning he gave it to Jesus, our sin, on him, the price that we should have been paying he was paying the price. And he felt the weight of the wrath of God in that moment. But something unique happened. Because in that moment, the Bible tells us that God then imputed, gave to us the righteousness of Christ. A righteousness that's not our own, and we know that. It's a righteousness that comes from Christ and Christ alone. Jesus went the second mile. And now for those of us who have Christ in us. He wants to live through us. And it's about time. It's about time to care. It's about time to be interrupted. It's about time to go the second mile. Let's pray. Father, once again, as your people, the body of Christ, we submit ourselves to you. Individually, we come before you. Live your life through us. For anybody that you've called into this room or to hear this message and, and you've spoken to them today about the numbness, the spiritual distance that they have with you. Father, I thank you that it is one step of repentance, a turning around from a life that we lead on our own to a life that is led by you. We repent of our sin like that leper. Make me clean. Wash me. Make me new. You are my Lord, you are my Savior, and I will follow you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for life. Thank you for taking up residence in my heart. For all of us, Father, as we submit ourselves to you again on this day, 
we ask that your life would be lived through us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.